I found that 90% of the people I interviewed experienced burnout either during the election or post-election. And so those are like incredible numbers. It's like unavoidable like experiences of burnout in the work. And so when you don't have these like support systems, either from the campaign or the party, it's really hard. And so it's like you have to kind of create those yourself. Hello, this is the Great Battlefield Podcast. I'm Nathaniel G. Perlman. A great political battle is being fought right now between progressives and the forces of reaction on the other side. This show is about the political entrepreneurs and other progressive leaders who are finding new or improved ways to fight. My guest today is Morgan Searcy. Morgan's been a graphic designer for Democratic campaigns like Warren for President and Ossoff for Senate. She's worked in commercial advertising and has her own freelance design shop. For her own research project, she recently interviewed a bunch of first-time Democratic staffers and put together a book about what she learned called One Year in Politics. So we talked about that and about Morgan's career so far and the intersection of design and politics. So first my sponsor, then my interview with Morgan Searcy. Check out the large, detailed, and high-quality political data graphic posters from Timeplots. Our visual history of the American presidency, for example, lets you see the Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump presidencies in full context. Timeplots Library includes visual histories of the United States House, the United States Senate, the Supreme Court, and the Democratic and Republican parties. Find them all at www.timeplots.com. Use the code BATTLEFIELD for a discount. Morgan, would you mind introducing yourself and giving me a quick biography? Yeah. So I'm Morgan Searcy. I've been working in democratic politics as a designer. So it's kind of coming at it from the creative angle. I feel that sometimes like I'm not 100% in the political field because I have this other like adjacent industry, but I grew up in Alabama. And so it's been a journey of being able to actually work in democratic politics and just like to be a Democrat myself. And so like, that's been exciting and a fun surprise. Alabama used to be a tremendously democratic state party-wise. Party was very different then. Now it's a very Republican state. Where in Alabama did you grow up and what was the local politics like there? Yeah, I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. So Huntsville is like a really unique place because it has a NASA plant there. And so there's a lot of people coming in to work for NASA. It's somewhat metropolitan, but still very conservative, still the Bible Belt. And then... I went to college in Auburn, and so that's lower Alabama, and I got to experience, I guess, like different parts of Alabama. There was surprisingly more people than I thought that had similar beliefs to me, and so I think that a lot of times when people say that they're from the South or Alabama, 
it has like a really bad rap as it should, <laughs> I guess. But it's disheartening for progressive people there too when you have those stereotypes against you. It's still a third approximately progressive, maybe the state, something like that. Yeah. I mean, like I moved to Portland, Oregon for a while and like it was really interesting because Alabama, growing up in Alabama was significantly more diverse than like my time in Portland. My dad was raised in Sylacauga, Alabama. And so that's like a pretty small town in Alabama. My mom's from Pennsylvania. My dad actually was in high school when they desegregated the schools. And so I think that was a big part of coming to believe what I believe because my parents are Republicans, but they're not very political. But I think my dad always had a really open mind because of his experience in high school. And like his sister was at the University of Alabama when that happened. He especially had an open belief of changing with the times and like understanding that people can be wrong. Beliefs aren't always like true. Being raised with that, I think helped like open up my own beliefs and being able to like be what was like outside of like I guess what you think would be a product of Alabama. <laughs> and also I'm Asian American too, so that is another <laughs> part. I'm Chinese American. If your parents were Republican and you grew up in Alabama, what's the evolution of your politics that lands you as a person working for democratic organizations? Yeah, I think that it's like the internet, you know? I grew up in a time where like we had YouTube and stuff like that in high school. And so I was watching just like people vlogging or doing their day-to-day -day things. And I got exposed to a greater world than, than like the people around me. And so I saw like diversity. I saw people talking about mental health. I saw people, I watched like a ton of TED Talks. All of those exposures like made me start to question the standards or status quos around me. I think there's something I mentioned that it's like in in high school, just like even admitting that you're like a feminist felt like something that was like taboo and it felt something to like stray away from. And so I think like going to college, especially I went to a state university from like a young age, I guess I wanted to like get out and leave the state because I didn't want to be defined by being someone from Alabama because I didn't feel like it represented me as a like woman of color or like my beliefs. And so I was really excited to always get out and you know how it is universities and stuff are really expensive. And so it made like the most practical sense to go in state. So I went to a state college and I studied design. And because I was at a state college, you have to take like curriculums where you're taking like maths and sciences. And I chose to take a ton of like philosophy classes. And so I think just being exposed to those things and like having these conversations, even though my classes, my like peers in college, I would say were very like, for the most part, pretty conservative too. Just like being exposed to these things and like having the internet like paired together, it was like easier to be like, hey, 
I'm not alone with these ideas or feminist is not even like a crazy thing to do or believe in or identify as. And so I think that all helped. Yeah, I guess I grew up in a household where we labeled ourselves feminists in the household. And it was in Boulder, Colorado. It's like the opposite end of the spectrum, honestly. But you would run into a lot more trouble there if you were kind of a closet conservative. So tell me about your entry into the world of professional design as you come out of college. What's the first job and how does that start your trajectory? Yeah, I worked at a branding agency in hospitality. You're taking like a hotel and then you're designing like what it looks like, what the key cards look like. And these are all like four and five star hotels. And I've like never have even like set foot into a four or five star hotel. And this was post 2016. And so I was pretty fired up, you know, and was like, oh, we need to have like more conversations. We need to do better. My like mission was like, oh, I would just pull like as much diverse representation and brand these hotels for and targeted at people of color. But I'm a designer (laughs) in this whole like system of like huge hotel names. And so It didn't really work out like that because these brands, they weren't trying to be inclusive. They didn't need to change. They didn't really have the same like passions or. That wasn't their agenda at all. Yeah, that wasn't their agenda. Maybe they posted something on social media, you know, but like when they're getting down to like the clientele and like making it like welcoming, it wasn't like what they were doing internally. So from there, I was like, oh, I need to get out and like do something different. I want to work in politics. And 2020 was coming up by that time. And so I was just like looking around, applying to a bunch of places and trying to see what would happen. 2020 was interesting because it was the biggest primary that we ever had for the party. We had more candidates. And so there was the opportunity to like pick your candidate, which was great because you could go in and look. And I was like particularly excited about working for a woman. And so I was like looking into the women that were running and deciding like which ones I would be most interested in. And I, when Warren announced, I did like as much as I could to like figure out who was working for her team and, you know, just like emailing people that I could like blind emails and they put up a position for a designer and I applied and I had some connections that someone on LinkedIn like posted that they were also working for Warren and it wasn't even in the national Boston HQ. It was just like some other thing, but she had a Warren email address. And so I like reached out to her and I was like, Hey, like I would love this job. Do you know anyone in like HQ to like work for design for? She like helped me like get to the right people. But I think that if I didn't, hustle or like do all that stuff that it wouldn't have been the same story. I think I worked really hard to be in front of the right people. And I think that paid off somehow. Of course it did. And if you're hiring in a campaign, presidential campaign or any campaign, and someone is really interested, of course, that's going to give them a leg up if they're going to take the time to, you know, sometimes people are a little shy about like, did I get this because I hustled? rather than on my resume alone. No, well, the hustling is actually kind of part of the resume and it becomes part of how you're defining yourself to them. So that was very smart of you. 
I think you have to hustle if you don't have the connections too, you know? I mean, even if you do, if, uh, if something is sought by more than one person, you have to find ways to set yourself apart. Did it turn out to be as a job one that you were really glad you took or was it more challenging and complicated? I mean, it had its challenging parts, but it's been probably my favorite job that I've had. Um, working for the principal was great. She really took care of her staff. There were like a lot of long hours. I think the longest day I worked was like 18 hours, like straight <laughs> in a day. Um, but that wasn't normal. That was just like a primary day or something. But I remember like, oh, I need to write that down because that seems like a lot. What were some projects that you worked on? Yeah, so I was doing design for the campaign. And so I was working on a lot of materials for the states. And so that was like getting door hangers ready or literature, like state-specific literature or city-specific literature ready. We did a lot of bilingual stuff too. And so really working with the different like coalition groups of making sure the line breaks were right and like the translations were correct. And then I worked on a little bit of merch stuff, just like t-shirts and buttons. And then I did some of the collaborations with people. So I did one with like John Legend and which is fun because you get to go off of the regular brand. So like her brand was like this Liberty Green and like Navy and it's like the same type everywhere. But then when you're doing these like special things, sometimes you get to break off of like what the main consistent brand is to make it a little more fun or exciting. And it's like a fun challenge for the designers. And she had a bunch of plans. And so each of the plans would be branded in a different one. Like she had a Blue New Deal plan. The designer who worked on that added a bunch of like textures and made it look like the sea and stuff like that. And so I think there is a lot of opportunity on because of her platform to have a lot of different explorations of creative or design. Do you think graphic design makes any difference in a campaign? I was on the Hillary campaign in early in end of 06, 07. I got some insight into how they made decisions about logo and stuff. She already had something coming out of her Senate world and they were pretty conservative about change. I watched the debates. I had no expertise in logos or anything, but Obama had a lot of excitement at the time and people attributed that a little bit to his branding and the way that went forward. My own feeling is like the product makes the design work rather than the design makes the product work in a lot of ways. But what's your opinion about the role of design in campaigns as you saw it? Yeah, I think design is really, really influential because you can change how people understand the candidate. So when I was working with John Ossoff, like later in his Senate race, he was trying to be like super, super trendy. And like his visuals were geared to like Gen Z or millennials. And he's such a young candidate that I was saying how that's dangerous because whatever we do in that moment, it will follow him for the rest of his career. So if we're using like graffiti or things that are like super trendy and cool, it's like, how is that going to follow his brand or his candidate legacy when he 
is like 80. Like maybe it'll be really cool, you know? And like, well, people do rebrand and they yeah. change. Yeah. But yeah, I, that, that's, you do sometimes want something that will endure well. Yeah. And I think also like just if you go down to like a grainy or a letterable and you're doing like a door hanger, I think design plays a big part of it because the designers help work with the copy or like the text that's on the door hanger. And we often help like figure out how to make things a little more snappier, how, what is the hierarchy of something? And so hierarchy would be like, which words need to be bigger? And then they don't all need to be big and they don't all need to be big and blue. And so it's just like understanding that. Yeah, sure. I mean, understanding the principles, I guess, that you get taught as well as bringing your own creativity to it. Yeah. I think it's less about like our own creativity as the designer, but more about the creativity or not like of pulling out what your candidate or your principal is because it needs to be true. The design and like aesthetic and like looks should be like as true to the candidate as they can be. So I did some branding for a woman in Georgia who is running and it didn't make sense to have her stuff super like polished and corporate because she was running on a local level, a small district, the stuff that she was going to be doing, like her team didn't have like the Adobe suite. They couldn't do that stuff. So it's like, how do you build these graphics in like Google slides so we can print them out and like just get it done it's like a lot of levels like that of like understanding who your audience is and how to like be true to the candidate and how to be like useful too as a designer and like being able to set that up for their teams or whoever is like actually creating these graphics makes sense that warren campaign really had its ups and downs it had its moments where it seemed like maybe she might capture the nomination I had dropping out of the race. How did you navigate that? How was that for you? Yeah, it was a lot of ups and downs. And I think you just have to live on the highs, you know? So even if you're in a low, you're remembering the high and like you're believing that you'll get to that high again. Like dropping out of the race was kind of a whirlwind because she dropped out six days before the country shut down for COVID. So as like heartbreaking and sad it was it in hindsight i guess it feels more natural because she like pulled out and then everyone just like went into hiding for a while because we had the like opportunity somehow to like take a break or take a second to figure out what was happening in the world how did you find your your way to rock the vote yeah i moved to rock the vote and it was like i think earlier you asked about if I was glad I took the Warren job and one of the most valuable things that came out of the Warren job was a ton of connections because it was a presidential campaign because there are so many people that came from other jobs. And I think that being a young person working in politics, even if you're not in it for the long haul, it, it's a great place to make these connections or make these networks. And so I actually was able to go to rock the vote after because I saw in one of the postmortem Slack groups for the Warren team, someone said that they needed design support. And so I um, reached out and took what I understood from Warren and just kind of went all in and tried to like help them clean up their brand and make it more 
consolidate it. They have such a long legacy, which is a benefit because Rock the Boat Boat has such a long legacy. They've been around for like since the 90s. They can look more corporate. They can look more like institutional. Who was running Rock the Boat then? Carolyn DeWitt. And how was that as a place to work? As a designer, it was hard because at Warren, we had a design team of 10 people. The theory there was like staffing up to win the nomination. And so you don't have to like staff up at the last minute and kind of have these systems like fall in place. It's kind of like a well-oiled machine from the beginning. Um, going to rock the vote, I was the only creative there. And so... I think that's a more traditional experience to working in politics or like nonprofits too, of being like the only person in the room doing your skill set. And so it was definitely more challenging. You refer to yourself as a creative, which I've always found to be an interesting locution. I assume that people are all creative, maybe to different degrees. What do you think is different about people who want to pursue a career that has a a kind of creative backbone versus those who maybe don't. What is it in you that's different that made you want to study design and art and have a career in that or might might take someone else to be a potter or a painter or something that we think of as a creative thing ra- rather than, I don't know, an accountant or a bricklayer? Is there something different about, about creative people that you've observed or is it just training? I think I like wanted to go into design because I thought that there was some kind of power in in visuals to help people understand whatever. And so like specifically I was like really interested in journalism and so I was interested in how can you make someone read a full article? Like is there a way to design that? How can you solve these problems like visually? I just use the word creative because I don't want to silo myself into like necessarily just a designer, whereas that is one of the hard skill sets I have, but it's being like a creative is like being able to figure out like the strategy of the campaign and how to align it like visually. So it's like, how should the photography be edited that goes into brand, you know, and it's like figuring out those decisions too. And so I think that is why that I'm using the word creative instead of necessarily just a designer. And I know that doesn't really answer your question. <laughs> well, it's, it's okay. I mean, I'm just trying to get to know you and understand where you're coming from on these matters. And I have a design firm and I employ people who are engineers and I employ people who are designers. And I sometimes think about like, is there a difference in personality type or can you generalize it all? So I'm not sure if you can, but I know people do gravitate to one thing or the other for sure. Tell me a little bit about why you left Rock the Vote. I mean, you've already mentioned Ossoff. How'd you end up there and what was the story going forward? Yeah, I left Rock the Vote at the end of the general election because there's those two Senate runoff elections in Georgia. And being from Alabama, it felt like I could make a difference. I knew a ton of people from Georgia. I have family in Georgia. I felt like I really understood the Southern people um, and wanted to support there. And I got invited to be the design director in Ossoff 
from an ex-Warren staffer. That is a political career in a nutshell, right? Like you got going and if you do good work, it's very, I've said this to many guests, it's a very permeable profession and people and your credentials really are, where have you worked? Who'd you get to know? what they think of what you did? And you can rise up on that basis. Yeah. So that was a pretty short campaign, pretty intense. Did you get a chance to do a lot? It was interesting because Biden had just won at the national level. And so the biggest question was, should we copy what they're doing nationally if it's winning? Like visually, organizationally, all the strategies were asking that. Or should we try to do our own thing? And for the most part, because of the support nationally, we copied or we tried to hold on to the Biden strategies as much as we could. And I think with design, that was like something that I tried to break away from a little bit of trying to make something more like authentic to Ossoff and something that he could have that rolled into his Senate office, assuming that he would win and like thinking about like those elements. And I like really understood that he wants to be like a career politician, you know, it's it's not just he wanted to run in 2020. I think that like once he comes back for re-election, he'll do it. And it's like just talking to him or like being around, he had the vibes of wanting to be like a career long politician and he's pretty young. And so trying to keep that in mind. So you end up at a big global design firm next. Is that right? Yeah. How was that? It was good. I felt like I needed to be there. I don't know how I got hired there, <laughs> to be honest. Maybe they like respected some of my like political work. You applied for a job? Yeah, I applied yeah. for a job and it was like the right moment, right time kind of thing. I think it, it helps in my career somehow because it gives me the stability of not only being like a political designer. It helped me gain more experience of being outside of that space. And so I think that's beneficial. Pronounce the name of the firm. I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. Yeah, it's called Wyden and Kennedy. So Wyden and Kennedy, big corporate brands. What was the key thing that you learned there? The team is based in Portland and I joined the team because I was going to be on the Nike team specifically. And I was told I was going to get to do like a bunch of like women's ads, a bunch of like social justice work for the brand. It was similar to like my first job where I was had all these like ideas of like changing the systems and changing like these massive industries. And I think that my experience there is like I did get to work on a lot of these things that supported women or like, athletes of color, but I wasn't sure like the impact, you know, or because it's like advertising, you're still selling shoes, you know, at the end of the day. And that's, that's the mark, you know, is you want to sell more shoes. You're not necessarily wanting to get like equal pay for women athletes. You're not working on policy. It's more of this like abstract, like general consensus of the masses or the culture to get them on board with this thing rather than like to do the work. It wasn't identical to the Warren campaign in philosophy. Yeah, that's a more elegant way to put it. So how long did you last there? 
I worked there for two and a half years. So yeah, I just left there earlier this year. Do you think you kind of professionalized your skills? Um, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still working on it. I think it was interesting to look into this agency and seeing like the resources that they had and wondering how you could take these resources or these systems to a campaign or something more scrappy, like the relationship between like copywriters and art directors in the advertising world is like really interesting. And it's like, how can you pull some of those processes into more like politically focused work was interesting to me. But then I also saw that there's a lot of systems there that like don't move. And so somehow campaigns or political work is more nimble and there's more like opportunity to have an idea and bring it to life and see how it works and take data from it and do it again and see if you can do it better the next time. Yeah. What was the People's Graphic Design Archive or what is it? Yeah, the People's Graphic Design Archive is something that I started helping with after Ossoff, and I was out of a job before I went to the agency. And it's like an archive that is collecting graphic design items that aren't necessarily like in a history book. We like to use the word like breaking the canon, which is basically just thinking of history not just like written by the victors or the one or history written by those who have friends who write the books and so to kind of broaden that and so it's important because I guess like growing up in Alabama you see a lot of visuals of like home or small businesses of color there like that have these signages or like these visual languages that inspire me as a designer but it's not necessarily acknowledged by like the design community as a whole. And so just to work on preserving like concert tickets or a poster that your local band made. So like that's that project. Have many people collaborated with you on that? Yeah, the project was founded by Louise Sandhouse. She's a designer and educator at CalArts in California. And so she started it. And so I'm supporting her and it's good. It's like, we need funding, <laughs> but it's always hard. You get into these situations of like having really good ideas and it's like the volunteer model is really hard too, but maybe that's a whole total of another thing. They're trying to secure funding now to keep it going. Well, I hope it gets that. It sounds like you're now an independent designer. You have your own practice. Is that right? Or how's that going? Yeah. So I'm currently working with some like smaller organizations and just supporting them as they need or taking on like new branding projects. And so like, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I enjoy it because I get to work with a bunch of different brands versus like a single brand. And it's fun just being able to work on multiple projects. It keeps you sharp. <laughs> Well, one of those projects must have been for the Gain Power Group. Is that right? How did you come to the one that we're here to talk about? Yeah, no. So 
I wrote a book. <laughs> I collected a, a bunch of interviews and that just happened at the beginning of 2021 when I finished Ossoff. I just like noticed that a lot of my peers were really specialized in what they were doing. And like similar to me, they had worked on multiple campaigns in the single cycle. And so they're able to refine their craft a lot or refined like their roles and their um, strategies. So they had all this knowledge and especially local or state specific knowledge, but there is like nowhere to share it. And it was like everyone was just like moving on, you know, like the cycles ended. People are looking for new jobs. They're taking, you know, a gap year. People are just gone. And so a couple of days after the Senate campaigns ended, I put out a call to collect as many campaign staffer experiences as, as possible and I focused on people who were first-time campaign staffers. It seemed like a really like ambitious call, and I didn't know what to do with all this information. And so I was like, okay, let's just narrow it down to like people who have never worked on a campaign before, because at least they're all coming from like a similar spot. And then I can look at them like on, at a national level, at a state level, at a local level. I could like dissect all these experiences from there. And so I focused on young people who worked in the 2020 cycle for the first time. And Gain Power is just like supporting me on it now. And they're like a big advocate of it. But it was just an independent project that I'm trying to reach out to people to tell about. So when you say you put out a call, was that on like Warren alumni list? How did you select the 250 people or whatever it is that you end up talking to? Yeah. So, I mean, on Twitter, there's this like big political culture, especially for campaign staffers. And so I put it out on Twitter first and got a lot of people from House campaigns or Senate campaigns. And so that was good. And then like from there, I put like links to the survey in the alumni groups. There's like Pete's alumni group, Amy, you know, like they all had their own Google group thing that you can email. And I got about like 300 responses, but then it like dials down to 225 like clean um, data sets after like looking at them and like trying to vet, you know, if they were actually only a first time staffer and, you know, like, did they just volunteer versus they were fully employed and stuff like that. So you got these survey responses. Did you also then talk to them orally or was it only just the responses written? Yeah, it was just the responses. Like we never did like a phone call, but from the initial responses, I sent out like a 12 question questionnaire. <laughs> um, and that 40 people responded out of um, the 200 ish people, they only 40 people filled that out. But it was a lot of information. So maybe it's good only 40. So what do you think you learned? What are the key points? What's the headline? What are a few anecdotes? Just Describe it so that somebody who's listening to this down the road might want to read it, might want to talk to you about it. What advice might you have to other people trying to survey young staffers? Just talk about it. Well, there's like no data on staffers out there to begin with. And so that was 
something that is interesting. And so although this was like a fairly small study and a fairly narrow study, as it only looks at first-time staffers, I think it's a good start because we aren't recording experiences or data from the people who are working on our campaigns. And so that's important work to do in the future. The main point of this work was to challenge the party to retain more knowledge because a lot of times it's easy to be super cycle focused versus long-term focused. But when we have these issues such as climate change, these are like multi-cycle issues. And so it doesn't make sense to have purely single cycle strategies from it. And so a lot of staffers are having to build, repeat, have like repetitive learning curves or like just like repeating work that doesn't need to be necessarily repeated because we're not like collaborating as much as we could be. I'm sure that's all true. What surprised you the most? I was surprised that there's more women than men. That returned the survey or that that staffed the campaigns? That staffed the campaigns. Out of the 200 people who replied, about 70% of the people were women across races. I thought it was interesting that there, there is this larger number of women getting involved because I know that it's like been a huge push with like Emily's List or Emerge or like these different groups that they're pushing for involvement of like women candidates especially and how that may be encouraging more like women just to get into politics and it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily run but you can support a candidate or you can use your talents or your creativity or your analytical brain to help people win elections. Did you ask people if they're going to work on other campaigns? Yeah, it was really interesting. Around 77% of them replied that they would work on another campaign, but I reached out to them when I finished this report. I haven't like run the numbers yet, but I think that the 77% was a really optimistic number. And I think in 2025, I'll run it again. Did you ask them whether they were happy they did it? And most people like found benefits of the work, whether it was through the networks that they built or just like the experience, because you have a lot of, if the teams are running like properly, there's ways to like create programs and have a lot of autonomy in your role. People enjoyed that. When you are surveying these people, you're surveying people like you, who also a first time campaign staffer. Were there things that you would have answered quite differently if you'd been surveyed than most of the people that answered your questions? I asked a little bit about COVID because it was like in 2021 and it felt like something that was important and it would be like a bigger deal than maybe it is. But at the time I asked if they liked working remote or not. And I personally loved being remote. I felt like it gave me a better like work-life balance. Things just like worked better for me working remote. And surprisingly, the majority of the people who responded 
wanted to be in person. And so that was like one thing that I was surprised about. You talked about being able to sort of understand things visually. One aspect of that that I have a long time interest in is the visualization of data. I wondered if beyond sort of branding and design of brochures and door knockers, was any of your work in the political space more data viz oriented? I mean, there's like some parts that are data viz oriented, but I would say like a lot of the data visualization designers can code and I can't code. And so that would be a difference. But taking the data in the study and putting it into this book, it was very like a conscious decision. I was trying to figure out what the best like format for this was. And I wanted it to have like this kind of legacy part of it in print. And then I also wanted it to be digestible at different levels. And so I essentially designed the book in a way that you can like flip through it pretty quickly and get everything that you want. But then if you want to dig through the 40 interviews at the back of the book, you can too. Being able to meet people where they're at and not assuming that people have the time or interest of like looking at any of this stuff. And so I guess that's the part of design of like thinking about what are my like top takeaways that I want people to know. Those are like headlines. And then if it's like something that is like secondary or like a little bit interesting, then making those like more pull quotes. And then the stuff that is like super interesting to me about like how like BIPOC staffers felt, but maybe that's not necessarily like a headline, but having these quotes from them is more like body copy. So then you have like these different levels that someone can engage. And if they only want to engage on the second or third level, then that's fine. But then the information there is there if you want to continue to like dig deeper into it. I have a number of friends who are authors who've written anything from children's books to nonfiction. One thing that they've told me in various different ways is that writing the book is about a third of the effort and that two thirds of the effort is marketing the book, whether it's book talks or just other ways of trying to get it out there. Nowadays, whether people read something to a great degree has to do with the hustle and the energy of the author. What did you want to happen when you undertook this project? And are you like up for that kind of effort? What What, what is the outcome that you want? And what do you want this to lead to? Yeah, most idealistically, I want it to lead to more transparency within the field because I think that can help, especially like staffers of color non-male staffers to find places within the field because when you have this data or you have these experiences you know that like these are trends and you're not like unique in the situation for instance there's like women staffers who were talking about how they were treated by male volunteers and how it's super inappropriate and not okay but they didn't have an HR on their campaign to reach out to and they thought they're the only person that this is happening to. And so I think by like working to document these stories, you can create better workplaces with this accountability. Did you read anybody else's studies of campaign staffers? Like I had a 
professor on him a while ago who had studied digital staffers across the political space. Did you take a look around at some of the other things that are out there? Yeah, I I took a look around at a lot of master's theses or stuff like that and looked at those and like the formatting and how they were composed. And I think it helped. I got my work reviewed by peers. Do you have any advice for a first-time political staffer? I think it's like just to be get as connected as you can with the other people on the team and like in the industry, because I think that once people know you and you can prove to them that you're good at what you do, then people are willing to help you. I think there is like a big like resentment when I talked to a lot of these staffers because it was post election cycle and a lot of people got like dropped pretty dry, you know, and they don't know necessarily what to do. Like I found that 90% of the people I interviewed experienced burnout either during the election or post election. And so those are like incredible numbers. It's like unavoidable like experiences of burnout in the work. And so when you don't have these like support systems, either from the campaign or the party, it's really hard. And so it's like you have to kind of create those yourself. Morgan, where do you want to take your career from here? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would love to do more creative direction for campaigns or organizations that have similar beliefs. And so it's like being able to help align their visuals with their visuals or stuff that they're putting out with like their theory. I worked a little bit earlier this year with like this organ small organization called like Grassroots Power Program. You should follow them and they would be really interesting to talk to too. They're really interesting because they're doing a lot of um, progressive like theory and writing these pieces on it. Like they're professional academics somehow. But like being able to take these like ideas or these beliefs and being able to translate them visually and help them like come up with strategies to do that is like a really happy place for me. Is there something else I should have asked you that I failed to? I wanted to kind of touch on like the BIPOC experience of campaign staffers. Why don't you tell me about what you learned about the BIPOC experience of campaign staffers? I was really surprised from like the research I did, 78% of first-time campaign staffers were white. And so the research that I could do on it was really limiting because you can't really take like the like 10 like black staffers that I talked to and say like, this is the experience, you know, because it's not like a big enough data pool. But there were some like themes that I was able to like pull out it was really common for people to have consecutive jobs in this cycle. And so people had like up to five jobs because they just either jumped around or organizations lost funding or their campaign didn't stay viable. And so 74% of white staffers had consecutive jobs in the cycle, but then it drops off a lot. And so only like 42% of BIPOC staffers had a second job directly in the cycle. And so that was just like one ex 
example. And like we talked about how valuable being on a campaign is because you have these networks, you can have like more experiences, you can run more programs and like add things to your like resume. It was interesting that the number dropped off pretty significantly for like BIPOC staffers. This is in the sample that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, which may not be too representative or it might be, it's hard to know how that broadly looks, but interesting nonetheless. Well, it's good to talk to you about your work. I think there's just something really cool about launching your own project and putting in the effort like that to do something that isn't necessarily commissioned by somebody else, but is information you wanted out there. And so I commend you on that and glad I got the chance to talk to you about it. Is there anything else you want to say? Thank you for like chatting with me. <laughs> I hope I did okay. <laughs> I think it'll be just fine. That was Morgan. She is at politicsproject.com. This is Nathaniel G. Perlman with the Great Battlefield Podcast. You can find us at greatbattlefield.com or by searching for Great Battlefield in places where podcasts are found. The Great Battlefield is now part of the Democracy Group Podcast Network. Visit democracygroup.org to learn more about other podcasts that cover democracy and civic engagement. You can also help me by leaving comments and good ratings on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere, and by sending me suggestions for great guests to nperlman at gmail.com.